Colleen Worthington, I'm, I'm envious. <laughs> your life, your relationships, uh, your, your bakery, and your book just sound so good. Um, the book we're going to be discussing is Neater's Bakery and Cafe, which is your business of 25 years. Um, but it, that's only part of, of the story. The story really has to do with uh, family and relationships and talent and um, consideration. It, it's just it's very inspiring, this book. Uh, congratulations oh, on it. And as I said, I'm, I'm really envious. I find it amazing that you could have such a close-knit family business where everybody got along. <laughs> it is. It's very fortunate. I know a lot that don't, but we're not one of those thank heavens. Right. I mean, I, I know a lot, that don't, really a lot that don't. Um, it, it's... Um, it's a strain on many families doing business with within the members of the the, the family group, and you also have friends, neighbors, um, and and you've landed over the years so many incredibly talented people to work with you. That is true. We've been very fortunate. Well, you know, first of all, your relationship with your late husband, Gary, um, is so inspiring. You knew right from the minute you met him that he was the one. I did. He came into the office. We were both at BYU um, in the catering department. We were working while we put ourselves through school, and he came in all suntanned. I mean, you have to see him. Even today, he has a beautiful smile and dark tan skin, handsome, handsome guy. And he tapped me on the nose with papers and said, morning, sunshine. Wow, I just and That was a winning melted. line, huh? It was a great <laughs> line. I, I asked him how many other people he gave that line to. I'm just going to pretend like it was only me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the, um, your, your wedding photo, you have some really interesting photos a lot of people photos in this book um, because it's really a people story as much as it is a cookbook, isn't it? It really is a people story. So many people to be grateful for and how many people have helped us. I just, I wanted it to be a story of Thanksgiving and not in the sense of turkey and dressing, but in the, story, <laughs> in the sense of the people that surrounded us and giving thanks to them. Although there's some really good recipes Progressing in there. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, I I, I was going to get to that because, um, no, everybody's going to love the accompanying narrative with all these recipes because there's a story attached to just about every one of them, and and interesting people attached uh, in, right. in your satellite group here, um, from your children, your grandchildren, uh, your employees. Um, you know, it's just, it seems amazing that everybody gets along so well. Why do you think that is? I think because we've hired people and known people who wanted to help other people. I mean, isn't that what life should be about? Helping each other get through this um, interesting life down here and sharing the knowledge and sharing whatever we have, whether it's food that day for someone who's hungry or whether it's um, being able to go and pass out 
loaves of bread to the homeless, whatever we have, we should be sharing it. And I think those are the kind of people that we attract and we've been attracted to. Now, we, we talked earlier on about the number of states where, where your breads, presumably breads, are available. But how, how did you decide that that was something that was going to be such a successful venture? And it's not, it well, doesn't, uh, it doesn't started seem like in, the most obvious thing to do. Yeah, well, we started in um, a, a little town, uh, Orem, Utah. It's about 30 miles uh, south of Salt Lake City. It's where our home is in Linden, the city that's right next to it. And people love the concept. Now, I know back where you are, lots of people were eating hearth breads a long time ago. But there was only one other place, and it was in Park City, Utah, that they were making hearth breads at the time. And, you know, we knew that we sold comfort food. I, I'll never forget that when 9-11 came, I went to my husband and I said, Gary, should we close the store today? And he looked out and he said, Colleen, look at how many people are in the lobby. People need comfort. And, this is, and that's when I realized we really do sell comfort food. And um, by, the, by lunchtime, it was standing room only at the bakery. And so it's food that a lot of generations of people like to eat. It's not unusual to see in our store three generations, grandparents, their adult children, and grandkids sitting at the same table enjoying the same food. And so I think that made us know that um, here in the mountain states, this concept was going to really work well, and we started opening stores. Of course, Texas is a little bit out there for us, but wow, <laughs> we love those people, and they love us too. We're anxious to start building again. We're going to open our um, some more stores that's coming up here. We're excited about that, and uh, some of them are going to be in the Texas area. So we're in San Antonio right now, and we have two stores there. I thought you were called the Beehive State, but it's not. It's the Mountain it State. Well, I I call the Mountain States anywhere the Rocky Mountains run through. So that would be Idaho, okay. Utah, Arizona. Those are the Mountain States for me. And so we're we're kind of huddled here along the Mountain States. We're in Las in Nevada in Las Vegas. Really going well there too. Really been a great place for us. Now, tell, tell me, I've been trying to figure out how you organize this book. Um, I mean, the parts where you call, like, the anchors, and then there, uh, I mean, there are different names of the chapters, but they're not the usual headings until you get to where you're dealing with, like, um, cakes and um, uh, um or salads, and how did you organize this? It's a lot of information, and it's very broad. Uh, it's broad yeah. and not only just in the, the topics, but also um, you don't adhere to any one region. I mean, you're all over the board. You go to Italy, you go to Spain, you, you know. It, you have all, all these different influences. How did you get this organized, and what is the organization clue? Well, we wanted to put it out for our 20th anniversary because of some family emergencies, we missed that date. And then uh, Shadow Mountain came and approached us about uh, publishing it for our 25th anniversary. So 
the, all the different kinds of foods you see in it are because at our store we do um, kind of summers that take a particular kind of uh, cuisine, and we, we make those as a limited time offer. We are a very holiday-oriented um, holiday store, too. So you'll see Christmas recipes, and they've come from all over. You look at some of the people that we have that worked for us, and they're from all over the world. Yermonia and Armin and Anait came as... Oh, aren't they interesting, huh? That's, yeah. that's an interesting... That, they said things like that, it's so hard to imagine because this talent just essentially fell into your lap. Right, it really did. We were so fortunate. And Lehigh Roller Mills um, with Sherm Robinson, he was a friend of ours um, before we started this venture, and he helped us get flour that was milled especially to make hearth breads. And so the flour we're using in all of our stores is that Lehigh Mills flour. But you look at Sam Dellis. He was a second-generation person from Greece. And he has a wonderful story that he tells. Most of the people, Gladie Begay, all of these people influenced who we are. Dr. Schiffman. Um, yeah, and you, you might mention, by the way, that you also um, you, you have charitable um, outreach as well, and um, particularly um, with the, uh, his, um, the doctor's cancer research. Right. Um, at first, I thought that these cookies were political because they were elephants, but then I read something I'd never known, that elephants don't get cancer, right? Yeah, yes, and it is pretty amazing since they have so many cells inside of them, you would think they would have a much greater chance of getting cancer. But um, he, has, he has done so much research. We're so proud of him and all the things that he's done. And, um, you know, our, the reason we started doing it was because we had a grandson who, when he was young, had Hodgkin's um, lymphoma stage 4 and spent a lot of time at Primary Children's Hospital, which is there connected with the Huntsman Institute. We found Dr. Schiffman at that time. But, you know, I love the recipes that these people put in. We ask every person to put in their heritage recipe. So you have Sam uh, Dellis who put in baklava. You have Dr. Schiffman, who we have a recipe of um, chicken soup. Matzo, yeah, matzah chicken soup. And Yermona. <laughs> yeah, no. And those guys put in their chocolate tort recipe. So you, you're seeing a lot of those heritage recipes, which I absolutely love. I got a chance to make each one of them as we were shooting, and they were wonderful recipes. I learned so much about each one of their countries and their heritage as I did that. Yeah, you, it's very clear. I mean, this is, first of all, it's a very personal book. It's also a very positive book. But it's very clear that, that you have a strong background in all of this as well. I mean, you, you have motivations like, um, like your devotion to, to the cancer research. I mean, you've not, you have a, had a lot of luck, but you've also had a lot of, of um, difficulties that you've overcome. That is true, don't we all, though? Yeah, we do. I mean, we, we shouldn't uh, sugar glaze it. I mean, uh, living through that diagnosis with uh, your grandson's cancer was, had been scary. 
It was. It was a family, a really hard time for everyone in our family. It was our oldest daughter's son. And um, I went on to say there that he is living a good life. He has worked for us. He has uh, just got married last December. We're so yeah. proud of him and, and his willingness to fight. But, you know, I think that's what's important about our family. We don't give up. We just never give up. COVID comes along. Nobody can come into your restaurant, but we didn't give up. And then the supply chain, we, we get ingredients from Switzerland. We get ingredients from all over the world that come into us. That all stopped. And so we had to show some great resilience and just not give up. And I asked one of my grandkids the other day, what do you know about grandma? And they said to me, you don't give up. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> and, neither, and neither do you. Neither do you. <laughs> No, no. I mean, I think your book is is very real and very honest. I'm not sure. I really believe that if if we put our minds to it and use these recipes, we're going to get cakes that look like the ones in your book. <laughs> Aren't those amazing? A new person. I, I mean, they're really works of art. I mean, they really are. They are. Casey McDonald works from um, Disney in Los Angeles, and she decided she was going to move. They shut down Disney, and so she moved up here. We were so fortunate to have Casey. And, you know, we put in there recipes, especially in that cake section, where you can – we've given you a cake mix hack that we think works really well. We've given mm-hmm. you a basic recipe, and then we've given you the master. And I have to tell you, Casey's the master. But regardless of which one of those cake recipes you make, it'll – you can turn out a good cake. Well, they're not going to look like the ones in your book. I don't think I mean, they're pretty spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> she teaches classes for us, and oh, does she? I've been to several. Yeah, and I've been to several of them, and people are really happy when they leave with with their cakes. They think it's beautiful. She has a system, and she is more than happy to share share the system. We did it step by step there in the cookbook, but. If you're close to any neater store, as your listeners are, hey, sign up for one of Casey's classes. Sweetheart, you you remember the Collins Street Bakery people we we interviewed? They're they're in Texas. They're in Texas. With the the um, the 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 um, the the fruit cake, fruit cake, fruit cake. But they decided they decided among themselves that they want they wanted to offer cheesecake. So they headed off to New York and ate cheesecake in every delicatessen they could find in New York City <laughs> in, 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 order to, in order to come up with, with a recipe that would be as good as their fruitcake, which, which, oh, which is extraordinarily good. Well, Colleen, you know, has, she has um, professional training in, in, in behind all of this, too, and um, from what I've read in, in your cookbook, Colleen, you work very hard developing these recipes, making things over and over and over again until the recipe is just right. Well, we're, we're, it was a real work of love to make the cookbook because all of our recipes started small. Boy, I wish I would have kept them when they started small. And then they had like 30 pounds or 50 pounds of flour in them. And so then we had to make it come down craft it down so that it could be made by a home cook. 
And so that was, that's what took us so long, I think, is trying to get the recipes just right. And then we had people in Alpine who'd test it and people in Kaysville who'd test it and all the neighbors in my neighborhood to see if it still tasted like meters. So uh-huh. that, was, that was lots of work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I uh, worked on um, the, writing a chef's cookbook, and um, chefs don't automatically think like home cooks. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> and it was, it was a real test <laughs> to, to be able to change these recipes to something that the home cook was going to be able to do. <laughs> and it, it was a lot of work. In yeah. fact, I mean, I, I only wrote one cookbook because I couldn't face it again. <laughs> I don't know how many you think you're going to make, but... <laughs> Your plan sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> well, now, let me get this straight. Your specialty, as you started out, was breads. And you have all kinds of breads that, that you've mastered. And some of them are pretty amazing, by the way. Um, I just looked at some of the... the, um, You're also really concerned with quality of ingredients, and I guess that's what you do if you're going to be writing recipes. But you go to extremes in finding exactly the way. Like you're you're checking out that flour that you've used for your whole life. Yeah. You you did all kinds of tests. Yeah. We did, and we did with the mill. We went down to San Francisco to the San Francisco Baking Institute. Gary tested the flour down there. Um, the chef down there who was from Europe said, I've, this is wonderful flour. This is absolutely wonderful. But, you know, they GPS the flour in the field, so they take all their equipment up to the field and um, GPS the part they, that has the characteristics that we need so that will be harvested just for us. So we're really lucky to be with Lehigh Roller Mills. They're a boutique flour mill. There are only about 150 of them left in the United States, and they're right here in our valley, so we're so fortunate. You're lucky, yeah. And the flour is is really tricky about baking, I think, especially (laughs) with bread, you know. Um, And and then you had to match it to your Italian ovens. They function differently, too. Well, they do, and they all have hearthstones in them, so we have five decks. We can hold about 100 loaves of bread, hearthbreads at a time. But um, we have their mixers. They gently mix it. They're not like a Hobart that pounds the air out of it. They actually incorporate the air into it. They have a slow rise. Several of our breads are 48 hours from when the initial mix starts until they're actually baked off, and every day we serve fresh bread. All of our bread is donated to charity that is day old. And, you know, what's that? People love that. There's nothing better than a sandwich with slow roast right. hand-pulled turkey on it on, a, on fresh bread. Now, this, this content in this cookbook is so expansive. I mean, about how many of these recipes do you find at any one time in any given store? Well... Um, it depends on the season. So I went through and we shared about 40 recipes from the store that we will have this year in the menu. But um, for instance, strawberry pie, we're not going to be making that in December because we want fresh strawberries for it, right? right. And so um, that will be found in the summertime. 
Um, the same with our soups. We're doing thicker, creamier soups, the artichoke portobello, the clam chowder. Oh, that's the one I want to make, by the way. That artichoke portobello soup looks absolutely fabulous. We are really known for that. And the neat, the best thing about it is it doesn't have a lot of calories. And so about 3 o'clock in the afternoon when we're doing that soup, our whole lobby is filled with people that are over 60 years old eating that soup. So it's, it's one of the things we're known for. What, what are your other signature um, recipes or dishes or products? Well, turkey bacon avocado sandwich on focaccia bread, absolutely the best. It, we sell the most of it. I have a friend who's a millionaire, billionaire, and he told me if you have something successful, do it a hundred different ways, Colleen. And so turkey bacon avocado became a salad, and that's our best-selling salad as well. So it has um, fresh roast turkey. We do that every single night at the bakery. And wonderful avocados on it. I mean, it is just delicious, whether you have it in the sandwich or whether you have it in the salad. Our French dip on baguettes. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And it is a wonderful sandwich, too. Chunky cinnamon French toast has been just such a favorite for us. Um, Pumpkin bread starts in a few days. It starts at the beginning of September. And we'll, that very first day, sell sell about 500 loaves of bread in the store closest to us. That's the original (laughs) stores we opened. So raspberry cream cheese pie. Yeah? How How do you get the bread to the people? Well, they come in the store to buy it, but the day-old bread, every store has the option of um, having a specific uh, charity that they donate it to. Our bread in Orem is donated to the um, Navajo Nation in the Four Corners. We have a gal, Gladys, which we have her story in there, who comes in, picks up the bread, and then she'll deliver it um, once a week, she goes home and freezes it, and then once a week, she'll deliver it down to the four corners and give yeah, it out. I love your story about the pies. <laughs> oh, is that crazy? <laughs> tell, tell our <laughs> listeners about your <laughs> Talk about well, major gaffe. <laughs> we had a, a truckload of pies left over one Thanksgiving. We, we pre-sell them, but we also try to have enough for people to come and just buy. And I don't know how the numbers got confused, but we had a truckload full of pies. And so they were mostly cream pies and pumpkin pies. So Gary called Gladdy on the phone and said, Gladdy, would you like to take some pies down um, to the reservation? And she said, oh, I'd love to. Came, picked up the pies, got them down to the reservation. And when they opened the pies, they had been put in upside down. So the box was, the lid was on the bottom (laughs) of the box. And the people, the Indian people who never had cream pies, they looked at it and said, oh, my gosh, what is this? And Gladys said, oh, it's a, it's a cream pie. You're going to love it. And so she said, if you can get the, um, the grandmas to enjoy something, they give their approval, and then all of the rest of the people eat. And so she went and got the grandmas to eat it, and they said, mmm, mmm, and they were just dishing it out with their hands. And pretty soon everybody <laughs> was just dishing it with their hands, and they had such a feast on that the day before Thanksgiving. That's so <laughs> Can you just picture it? All the stripping down everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> I don't just know. absolutely hysterical. For us. 
<laughs> so that we didn't get it in right side up. I don't know. We had a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, just run through some of, of the categories here. You have pies. You have um, cookies. You have bars. You you have um, what else? You have um, well, you have we have desserts. Soup. Yeah, Go ahead. soups and salads and breakfast. Well, you know, it's just like we serve it at Neaters. We have departments at Neaters. We have the pastry department, and hey, they got the most because we change out those most seasonally. It's easier to change than changing anything else. And then the breads, of course, come from our bakers. And then up in the bakery, they're fixing a, a lot of uh, the um, salads and the sandwiches that we have in it. Yeah, you have interesting sandwiches. I, I wanted to point that out. It's not all just sweets that you have a lot of savories in addition to your soups. You have um, right. salads and sandwiches, too, that are as yeah. unique as any of the sweets or breads. Yeah. So there's something for everybody in this book, listeners, and uh, along with the along with the warm-hearted stories, and uh, uh, you may be also envious <laughs> of this wonderful family <laughs> and calling Worthington, um, um, but you, you know you can also recreate some of the delicious treats that, that they turn out. Again, it's Neater's Bakery and Cafe. And um, your website, um, I guess people don't, are you going to ever have people ordering stuff off the website? Yes, we do. We have them order online right now, but we also, the cookbooks um, at our website, we have a store. So if you go to neaters.com and look for the shop, there are okay. things that you can buy from the shop. We do a lot of gift baskets with our delicious pastries and breads in them and our jams that we have in the store. And all those things can be purchased off of the website and shipped out. That's right. You said you, you had a, a grandchild who was tying bows or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, those were you find out, something for every, for every child in your, in your purview. It's great. Well, it's, it's true. It's, you did a wonderful job on this, and, and I thank you for a wonderful interview as well. Uh, again, listeners, it's Calling Worthington. It's Neater's Bakery and Cafe. And it's it's a really wonderful, heartwarming, and delicious book. Uh, thank you for talking to us, Colleen. Well, certainly my pleasure, and thank you so much. Thank you. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Here we go, and we're just chatting with the founder of this My Delicious Gluten-Free Cookie uh, line company, Carolyn Haler. And um, Carolyn's Cookies, uh, let, me, let me say that I get a whole bunch of gluten-free cookies, and I could tell you almost across the board they all taste like cardboard. <laughs> Not Carolyn's, not mighty delicious. They are delicious. <laughs> Clever name also, Carolyn. Mighty delicious is great, great name. 
Um, if, if you tell us about your company, uh, what is Mighty Monkey Bakery, by the way? So Mighty Monkey Bakery is the previous name of our cookie. Um, that was our original name, and we rebranded this year in January to Mighty Licious, which I think really we wanted something that really resonated more with the name um, uh-huh. or with the product, and that was a little bit more um, inclusive. Um, so we are Mighty Licious now. Um, we also incorporated this year, so we transitioned from an LLC under the Mighty Monkey name to the new Mighty Licious name as a, as a C-Corp. Now, you were the founder, and, and you mm-hmm. had a reason for, for trying to develop this. Uh, that's because um, you have celiac, right? That's correct. And you also are a cookie lover. Absolutely. Who isn't a cookie lover? I mean, I feel like that's pretty... That's true, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, um, yeah, the... <laughs> Everybody loves cookies. Spit it out, um, love. Yeah. Spit it out. It might be a gold. Yeah, I know. I was, um, but anyhow, um, my, I'm amazed. I mean, there's so many things you say about these cookies. Not only are they gluten-free, um, but you have um, all these other qualifications for making these a good for you, which is right on trend, um, right. food. Um, yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, you you have um, let's see, you have vegan, two vegan um, brands. Um, you have um, non-GMO, all um, egg and soy free. I mean, I, as I'm reading off all of this, of course, my experience with it is could be summed up that they are delicious, and and just on the basis of that, um, I I will congratulate you, but. With all these other things that you did to make these a healthy, um, delicious snack, I mean, how long did it take you? What? Tell us a little bit about the process you went through developing these, because it seems to me a, a nightmare, hellish task to get this all in one package. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been an evolution. Um, the company is five years now. When I originally created the product. Um, it was for me, as we discussed, I have celiac disease, and as you stated, the majority of products out there on the market are not inspiring. <laughs> they don't oh, inspire you to exactly <laughs> want to eat a cookie, let alone anything else that's gluten-free. And I really wanted to create a product that I could enjoy and everyone could enjoy. And I am an active, healthy person. I'm a millennial. Um, I'm into all the vegan, plant-based kosher, non-GMO, soy-free, everything free, but I'm also into flavor. Um, and I just believe that you can make a clean and simple cookie. Like when, you're, when I make a cookie or my mom makes a cookie or my grandma made a cookie, it was just, you know, butter and flour and eggs and vanilla, and there wasn't anything in there um, that's really terrible for you, of course, consuming those ingredients in mass is not great for you, but certainly having a cookie or two is not going to hurt you, especially if they're made with ingredients that are clean and simple that you can name. And so that's how I started. I just started with a basic cookie recipe that, of course, failed um, catastrophically because you can't take a recipe that is made for wheat flour and transition it into a gluten-free 
Yeah, see, the flour is the first thing that's like a problem. I mean, I don't know how people manage to convert recipes with these other flours. It's very, very challenging. And I spent probably months, um, if not years, perfecting the flour recipe. But that is really when people ask me how I did it. Everything in my cookie is something you have in your pantry. And because I created these cookies in my apartment in New York City, I didn't do it at a commercial facility or with a food scientist to begin with. I just started with flour, butter, sugar, vanilla, chocolate chips. And finding that flour mix. Have people tried to do it before? What what do you mean? Had had people actually tried to achieve what you achieved? Had they actually done that before and been successful? Or were you unique right from the get-go? I don't know that they've been successful. I mean, I have tried. I've been gluten-free now since 2012, so almost um, over a decade now. And I find the products on the market are not trying that hard. And there's a simple reason for that. Like if you look at the products, whether it's Udi's or it's Partake or it's Lisa's or it's Pamela's, all of these products, that have been around a long time were created by a parent who had a, who has a child who has a gluten intolerance or food allergy or many food allergies, and they wanted to create something that they could give their kid and feel safe about. And yeah, so those products are better for you, but children don't know any better. They don't know what a, if they've never had a cookie, they don't know what a cookie should taste like. I wasn't diagnosed with celiac disease until I was 32. So oh, I really? Did, I didn't know yeah. that you – I thought yeah. you would be diagnosed really early. No, no, many people – no, you can get – you can be diagnosed, you know, very early on in childhood, or you can develop – autoimmune diseases are very um, – they're not something we know a lot about, and you can just develop them. You can be fine one day and not fine the next day, which is what happened to me. Um, wow. I was totally fine in everything my entire life, and then – I turned 32, and my immune system started failing, and we had no idea why. And it took us nine months to figure out the diagnosis, and it was very serious. I mean, I was I was in excruciating pain. My hair was falling out. Um, oh, really? I was bloated. Yeah. I was, I mean, it was terrible. And when I was diagnosed with celiac disease, it was actually a relief because all the things that were possibilities were things like HIV, cancer, all things that you don't want to have to deal with. And when they told me, stop eating wheat, I was like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> um, so that was a relief, but it is hard once you get into the reality of not eating wheat. Wheat is used in so many products. Instant soy sauce is, um, has wheat in it. Things like Pepsi and Coca-Cola have wheat in them because gluten is used as a colorant and it's used as a filler. So a spice can have wheat in it. Like so you could buy cinnamon at the store and it could be have spice have wheat in it as a filler. Um, so so many products that you would expect to be gluten-free aren't gluten-free, and so finding products that you can that you can trust is hard. Finding products that you can trust and taste good is almost impossible. There are so few, and I just yeah. Well, this because, is. I mean, I remember. I, mean, I remember how uh, how hard it was um, cooking for uh, my cousin's child, who was a vegan, extreme vegan. And I mean, and the first time I really read, I mean, not I always looked at ingredients, but not, not with the kind of thoroughness I had to do to make sure everything was vegan. 
You have no idea what's in all this stuff until you start reading the labels. Absolutely. And part of that, part of that is because, especially with um, ready-to-eat products, the supply chain is nine months. So you have to be able to create a product that not only tastes good when it's baked, but also tastes good by the time the consumer gets it and opens it. And when you're talking about a product that's vegan and gluten-free and preservative-free and better for you and simple and clean, that is very, very hard to achieve because you have no preservatives. You're using products. You say you make. You're. You're also. I don't. Didn't mention that. You have no preservatives in yours. Absolutely not. There's no preservatives. There's. I mean, our shortbread cookie I think has five ingredients, and then our peanut butter cookie I think has seven. I mean, it's really. Peter's favorite is the the shortbread. Thank you. That's delicious. That shortbread is a great cookie. I was in love with Mr. Walker until I came across you. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. That is the best compliment that I could receive. Thank you very well, you, much. I told well, you. You I know did. him, right? You you must have tried his product. I have. It's <laughs> and I think that I mean it's a very good product. It's been around forever and it will be around forever. Um, yeah, we, it's a very we, good product. We, I think that my shortbread is just slightly better, and here's why: we brown the butter, right. so you're getting like that brown butter, really sort of intense flavor, and we use dark brown sugar, so you're getting a little bit of that mapley molasses flavor, but it's still a really clean, salty, crisp shortbread flavor. And it's, I think, delicious. It's one of my favorite flavors. Now, he, 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 to, he told us that he was just completing another factory. So the small really? town where Roy Walker has existed since the very beginning, now, now it has twice the capability to produce delicious shortbread. Well, I will tell you that as good as his shortbread are, when you buy his gluten-free products, you're getting like five ounces, whereas mine, you're getting nearly eight. Oh, so he, so, so Walkers has a has a gluten-free version. They do. They have a gluten-free version of their shortbread. It is a very small package. <laughs> <laughs> and at a yeah. very large price, no doubt. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, who doesn't love Walker shortbread? I'm a fa- I'm a fan of shortbread in general. Oh, I mean, I love it. Yeah, I really love it. We 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 actually met met him in person before we interviewed him for the program, which we have done. And he he, he was at the Walker's booth at the fancy food show, dispensing gift versions of wow. Walker shortbread. I didn't even know. I didn't even realize that he was still alive. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well think, this is the son. It's not the founder. He was, he was the uh, last time we checked. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, so you you did all this research, and what was your, um, you know, wow moment, voila? What was it, and when was it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was relatively early on. In the beginning, I realized that I was going to have to start from scratch, that the majority of research in baking has been done for wheat. And wheat has some very unique properties, which is why we've adopted it um, as our, you know, basic food um, um, ingredient for the most part. And working with non-wheat products in, in baking requires basically starting from scratch. So I started developing my own recipes. Naha moment for me came when I found the right flour. 
And what I learned through the baking process was that no matter how good the recipe was and no matter how good all the other ingredients were, that if I didn't have the right flour, that it wasn't going to work. Like it was just going to be a disaster. Yeah. Um, and I figured, figured out, and this is what makes my cookies so different, is that we actually work with the mill to grind the rice flour. So it's oh, very important shoot. to me that I not use a free ingredients. I didn't want to use sorghum flour, garbanzo or chickpea pea flour, which are the same flour, just different names, or aramanth flour. And these are ancient grains that you often find in gluten-free baked goods across the board. And they're used because they behave like wheat flour, um, but yeah. they also have very either gr- gritty or chalky or bitter aftertaste. And that is what makes gluten-free products often very unpalatable. It's the texture and the flavor that comes through from these flours that are just not quite right and oftentimes not very good at all. Um, And I wanted to use a a flour base that was based in rice and starches like potato starch and pork starch, all of which are very neutral. And what I learned in the aha moment was I found a – rice flour that was milled to the right spec so that the actual particle size of the flour base was small enough so that it could absorb the moisture in the cookie to actually homogenize and create a dough that would bake nicely. So now that I'm mass producing millions of cookies, we actually work directly with the mill to make sure that the flour is ground to the correct spec so that it will actually work in the baked good. And that is well, what. Well, what is it you start with? Um, what what grain do you start with? Yeah, so my flour blend is pretty simple. It is um, rice flour, potato starch, tapioca starch. Um, it is xanthan gum and corn starch, and that's it. Really? Yeah. No, there, no, I actually up my hands in despair. We interviewed somebody who wrote a whole cookbook on alternative flowers, and mm-hmm. I couldn't get my head around any of it. I mean, it was I just threw up my hands in despair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, They're it, so it touchy. is. Yeah. It's so yeah, it is very overwhelming. And not only is the flour important, but the ratio of each flour so you starch is very important. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's like an, an infant in infinite permutation for the number of, of combinations you can make for the flour or the wheat flour, you just buy the wheat flour. You're just like, I need some white flour, and then you're done. Whereas in gluten-free baking, you're buying, you know, anywhere from a few fl- different types of flours to, you know, 10 different types of flours, and then having to figure out exactly the ratio of the flours within the blend to make it perfect. And that is a tedious and time-consuming process. Well, how did you learn um, about all of this? I mean, what did you do before? Myself, I worked in finance. Um, baking is actually a very, it's chemistry, and it's um, very technical, even more so than cooking. Um, oh, yeah, it certainly is. That's what, I'm not a baker. I'm, I'm just not yeah. a baker because of that. I think it's, yeah. it takes more attention, than, than, you know, in science than I'm willing to give it myself is. I mean, you have to, to worry about things like humidity and bare mix 
electric pressure, which are things oh. you don't have any control over, and they, that can dramatically impact output of your it product. Was, it's like, but I, think, I don't know what your experience with meringues are, but you know, when we lived in um, Australia, uh, I made this wonderful pavlova with this um, recipe, friend's husband's recipe. Uh, it never has worked any other place I've lived. Uh, it's never the same <laughs> recipe. And, I and when my you. yeah, and when my Australian friend was visiting, um, she actually she manipulated the door in the oven uh, with a wooden spoon to deal with the humidity in some fashion, so that it came out the same recipe came out to be like it was produced in Australia. But it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, those are things that, you know, dramatically impact your product. When you think you did something wrong, it wasn't you. It was actually the moisture in the air, which you have no control over. So it is, I have a background in statistics and economics, and I love algorithms, and I love forecasts, and I work oh, in finance. Oh, you went to Oberlin? You went to so, Oberlin? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I went to Colby College as an undergrad, and then I got my master's degree from Yale. At where? Yale. That place. I, I didn't even hear what you said, Rob. Yale. Oh, Yale. I thought that, that, that one. Was mm-hmm. That place. Um, yeah. So, and then, you, but you, when did you, you worked a while and were not satisfied with your job or what motivated you besides? Yeah, no, I mean, I loved working. I, I worked for um, over a decade, and I loved finance, and I found it very engaging and challenging. But I literally, I mean, I literally, I went to business school, so I learned about the story of honesty. One of my professors in business school was a co-founder of Honesty and learned all about that in business school. Oh, I know them. Inspired. Yep, very we've inspired by We've it. interviewed them, too. Yeah. Yep. They're yeah. Seth and Barry. They're wonderful and incredible yeah. innovators and very passionate, incredible businessmen. And so I was very inspired by that, but I never had at the time. I didn't have like I wasn't like oh I'm going to start a food company. That wasn't sort of where my mind was. It was after I was diagnosed with celiac disease, and it was 2017 when I started the company or I came up with the idea concept of the company. And it was literally because I walked into a store. And I bought a bag of gluten-free cookies, and I hadn't eaten all day. So I opened the bag in the store and took a bite, and it was like, before I purchased them, and it was like, oh, my God, this is disgusting. <laughs> like, I was like, can I put this bag back on the shelf? But, of course, I did it. I threw it out before I left the store. And that, in that moment, I was like, forget this. I was like, I'm going to make a gluten-free cookie that you actually want to eat. And I did. I left my job in finance. I started testing recipes. I actually incorporated in April of 2017. And by July, I was being onboarded to Whole Foods. That's how quick it happened. Well, you, you also knew your way around marketing, undoubtedly. So that's half the battle there. Um, yes, but, I was a I was a former stockbroker, so I know how to sell. <laughs> I'm yeah. not shy about it at all. I mean, so, that's really important. But but wipe away all that, sweep it all aside, and the quality of the product is really. I mean, I've seen really great marketing campaigns that go nowhere because the the product that's not the quality. So yeah, you, and I, you I had, think it's because I spent 
um, a decade in sales, and I feel the same way. Like you can put your best salespeople, and you put billions of dollars in marketing behind something. And I'd worked for J.C. Morgan, so I've seen the muscle that you know a company can have. And if the product isn't good, they're not. They might buy it once, but they're not going to buy it again. And it doesn't matter exactly. how good of a salesperson you are. There's no way of getting around a product that doesn't solve a problem. And so when I started the company, I mean, my mission was to make the best tasting cookie you've ever tasted, period, let alone the best tasting gluten-free cookie. That is my mission and that is my objective. And we are constantly finding ways to improve the quality of the cookie, to improve the shelf life, to improve the moisture content, to improve all those things that really make it a good cookie experience within the constraints of, you know, it's a ready-to-eat cookie and it has to be on the shelf for nine months and there's a, or a supply chain for nine months and how do we create the best possible consumer experience within those countries. So well, did you have a mentor? Long, did you have a mentor in this venture? I didn't. You know, it's just been me. I'm just, you know, stubborn and focused. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's just me. I was just like, I'm going to do this. And I pretty quickly, <laughs> like, back to the question I was asked, previously has this ever been done before, I quickly realized it hadn't been. So there wasn't someone who could be like, this is how you make a delicious tasting gluten-free product. There wasn't really that level of experience or expertise out there. And creating a great tasting wheat product is so different um, that there really wasn't, you know, there's people who I got advice from and people within um, – who I have great partnerships now who really helped me through the process and I always still continue to learn from and grow from, but I didn't have a specific mentor. And um, I would say that even like, I think there, there aren't as very many wheat-based ready-to-eat products that are as good as my cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, good. That well, the, well, the well, passion hasn't... We, we, we agree with there. you. Thank we you. We agree with you. you. We, wonder what, we wonder what Jamie thinks. Jamie? Isn't he the CEO of J.P. Morgan? Yeah, Jamie Dimon. Yeah, he yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only, only people only people for J.P. Morgan refer to him in just his first name. We're like, oh yeah, what did Jamie do today? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to know what Jamie thinks. We we I should we send him to, a pack. We need to get we need to get you back on the road because where where you're going is much more interesting than where you are. So, 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 so let us let you go, but do, do, do keep in touch and make sure we have a, an adequate supply. Will do. I really appreciate the time today. No, Thank you so I mean, much. That's introducing. I, I, I don't want to sign off without um, saying, um, asking you how easy is it to get your product. I mean, you're in all these stores for sure. Yes. But no, yeah. I mean, do you have uh, do you have um, on your website to do market yeah. on there as so well? We are yeah. in many retailers. I mean, we're in Walmart, we're in Hy-Vee, we're in Giant Stop and Shop, we're in Kings, um, we're in a, like 1,300 independent retailers across the nation. But if we're not in your local grocery store, just go to um, MightyLicious.com and we ship nationwide. We order three bags or more. Shipping is free. Um, and we're also on Amazon. So if you prefer to order through Amazon, you can find us at Mighty Licious. Um, gluten-free cookies. Well, Carolyn, um, you were a delight to have on the show. And uh, 
Your product is wonderful. You know what you're doing. You're a savvy cookie. I think I read that somewhere. (laughs) And you certainly are. (laughs) So thank you for taking the time to talk to us about it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure, and I will make sure that you guys keep getting your shortbread cookies on time. (laughs) Well, continued success for sure. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Let us know if you need anything else to talk, if you have something else you want to talk about, okay? Will do. Thanks so much. Thank you. 